Thank you for tuning in to Shift the Plan podcast, where it is never too late to change the game. I'm your host, Rhonda Evans, and here we'll be listening to stories of the everyday woman. How life just, you know, brings you a little bit of obstacles, but what matters is what you do within the shift. Welcome and thank you for joining me for another episode of Shift the Plan podcast where it is never too late to change the game. I am your host Rhonda Evans and today I will be bringing you a brand new episode from Shift Maker Elena Nubo. But before we get into her episode, I just want to shout out um, some of our reviews on iTunes. So remember, you guys, um, when you listen to the episode, if you like what you hear, leave a review and rate us on iTunes so other people can discover um, the awesomeness of Shift to Play a podcast. So today's episode, um, we bring to you Miss Janelle Love. Her review says, Shifting Made Easy. Listening to this podcast has allowed me to take notes on the shifts that other women have made to help my shifts in life a little bit easier. Also, I love the integrity of the interviews. Everyone is immediately open about their shift, what caused it, how they handled it, and the amazing outcomes that resulted from the shift. Thanks for taking this leap and providing a platform that allows us to feel like it's okay to be the pendulum and embrace those shifts in life. And I always say this on the show that, you know, Life is going to bring us obstacles, but instead of getting stuck um, with those obstacles, what matters is what you do within that shift. And it's time to shift the plan. You know, nothing is written and documented that we have to stay in that place once those obstacles occur. Um, But what makes the absolute difference is when we shift the plan. And so today I am bringing to you someone who has absolutely shifted the plan in her life and has not allowed her past to define, to find, I can't even talk today, the define, D-E-F-I-N-E, define, <laughs> define her future is Miss Elena Nubo. Um, Elena Nubo is a registered clinical social work intern in the state of Florida. And she's currently fulfilling the requirements to become a licensed clinician. She's dreamt years ago of creating a safe space for women to gather and encourage one another. As a survivor of child abuse, homelessness, and depression, she sought to bring awareness to this often misunderstood topic. She received a Bachelor's of Social Work from Florida A&M University and a master's of social work with a clinical concentration from Florida State University. She's held positions within dependency case management as well as adult services. Elena has also worked with individuals that present with mental health, development delays, and substance misuse related issues. She's created the Therapeutic Couch, which is dedicated to breaking the stigma associated with mental health within the African-American community with a focus on African-American women, young and old. This forum was created to explore healthy ways to address mental health concerns, provide self-care items, I'm sorry, self-care tips, and to discuss positive lifestyles. So sit back and enjoy as I bring on Miss Elena Newbold um, as she discussed her shift and how she has changed the game. (laughs) 
Thank you for joining Shift the Plan podcast for another episode. Every Wednesday, we have a brand new shift maker coming on to tell their stories about how they triumph through their shift. And today, we are sitting down with Miss Elena Newbold, the therapeutic couch herself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited. Like I told you before, when I saw your story on Instagram, and so if anybody ever tells you that, uh, social media is trash. They are lying because <laughs> they. I've got. I've met some amazing people on social media. Like mm-hmm. I'm so serious. Mm-hmm. And w- when I saw your story, just by chance, like mm-hmm. I don't even know how we got connected. Right. I don't even know how. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But I saw your story, and you know, most people, you know, as they're scrolling, they mm-hmm. see the long captions, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna keep scrolling. I'm not reading all that." But I'm not that person. I'm like, no, I want to see what it says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's the nosy part of it. <laughs> but I read your story and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, this is what Shift the Plan is about. Mm-hmm. Like, stories like this. And I immediately shared it on my um, social media platform. And then from that moment, I was like, okay, how can I have her <laughs> on the show? Had no idea about. Um, your business, your background. I had no idea about that. All I knew is that your story was powerful. Aww, and I wanted people you. to hear it. Thank you, you are very, very welcome. <laughs> so before we get into the story, <laughs> let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and who you are. Okay. My name is Elena Newbold. Um, I have two amazingly beautiful children that drive me up the wall at times. <laughs> But they keep me on my toes. They keep me young, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I received my Bachelor of Social Work from the Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. And then I went on to receive my Master of Social Work with a clinical concentration from Florida State University. Um, I am currently a registered clinical social work intern, which just means that I am in the process of um, obtaining my like <clears throat> obtaining my license. So I'm going through okay. the requirements right now so that I can become a licensed clinical social worker. That is awesome. Look, I wish y'all could see um the at the background her uh <laughs> look she got the candles going y'all we have a whole mood going on <laughs> On the common nerves. <laughs> it's gonna be peaceful in this interview. We're gonna have a good time. You know, we the mood has been set. So yes. So you know what's so amazing is that um I didn't myself go to an HBCU, but most of my guests that I've had on here have gone to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that what this experience uh brings about? Like going to an HBCU brings about some some level of excellence. Like it was seriously. The best experience ever for me because I initially started out at a PWI. Really? Yes, and I had gotten kicked out of that school because my my GPA had dropped. It went down to I think it was like a one point six something, and you know Ooh. it was bad. And I fought for about three years, three four years or so, to get back mm-hmm. into school. And that wow. PWI continued to tell me no that I couldn't do it that I wouldn't be a social worker and tried to get me to go off into other fields like criminology and um, sociology. And I was like, no, I wouldn't be a social worker, you know? Um, and 
FAMU gave me a chance. And for that, I am forever grateful to FAMU. That is awesome. Like a few weeks ago, we did an episode about the Black College experience. Mm-hmm. And it it talks about those experiences at an HBCU, but we also dived just a little bit into just the fact that no matter what school you go to, that you're still a black individual having an experience at that college. Mm-hmm. And so I know we weren't even supposed to talk about this, but <laughs> <laughs> when you were at that college, like what was that black college experience like for you versus when you went over to FAMU? What was the experience like at FAMU or at FSU? At the other school, at, at, um, at the predominantly white institution <laughs> before you got to FAMU. And that, then. So I started out at FSU. Um, okay. And it was very intimidating for me. Um, mm. I felt like the students there were more advanced than I was mm-hmm. because I had come from a community college where I had been for like four or five years, you know, just trying to get an AA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was different for me. I felt like at that time that I could not connect with anyone mm-hmm. um, because, you know, all of my teachers were white. Not to say, you know, that they weren't good teachers, but all of my teachers were white. The majority of my classmates were white. And then the black girls that were in the classes with me, they had been at FSU, you know, for quite some time. So they developed their relationships with their friends. So I was like the yeah. outsider. So going over to FAMU, it was our department, the social work department at FAMU was much smaller than Mm -hmm. that at FSU. And it just felt so welcoming to me. Like my Mm -hmm. professors welcomed me. Um, I actually developed a really good relationship with one of my professors, whom I still keep in contact with today. Like I could go to her office. So, you know, I was able to develop relationships with not only the professors, um, but my peers as well, some that I still keep in contact with today. That is awesome. I remember um, them speaking about how it is a difference when you have those um, black instructors, those black profe- professors that are like, I'm rooting for you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it takes to make sure that you do that is what we're going to do. Right. Versus at, you know, when you were at FSU, it was just like, oh, OK, another student. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't anybody probably rooting for you the way that they would at FAMU. Yeah, initially in undergrad, that's how that's how it felt. Now I actually mm-hmm. went on to get my master's from the same university that told me <laughs> that I couldn't do it, and I right. graduated with a three point seven. So you know. Now I know they had to have a little feeling of like I told you so. Right. <laughs> it it did. Um. So a little bit of my journey is um, when I was younger, and this is, I'll just talk about childhood in general. You know, when I was younger, I had experienced some emotional abuse, some Uh physical abuse, some um, mental abuse. I was even homeless as a child at the age of 14. Uh And I recall, you know, I can recall being told that I would never be anything, that I wasn't pretty, you know, that I wasn't smart enough. And if you hear that stuff enough as a child, it's going to stick with you. So yeah. as I started, you know, kind of going through high school, I wasn't smart enough. So why should I go to school? I'm going to jump this fence and go hang out with my friends, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, school wasn't for me. I didn't get mm-hmm. a high school diploma. I went on to Job Corps 
at the age of, I think I was like 19 and I got, mm-hmm. I got a GED. Um, wow. Once I had gotten pregnant with my daughter, I was 22 when I had my daughter. I knew that I wanted to provide a better life for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want her to grow up the way that I did. So I was like, I've got to do something. I got to figure something out. I've got to, you know, go to school because everybody's going to school, right? This is the <laughs> thing to do. You have to go to university. So um, I recall I was living with my aunt at the time and I requested a student catalog from FSU. This is when they were sending out the catalogs with their Mm -hmm. different classes or whatever in the mail. You know, I'm flipping through it. Okay, that has math. I don't need that because I hate math. (laughs) For all the subjects that did not require math. And I stumbled upon social work. Mm -hmm. Little did I know it was my passion all along because I've always wanted to help people. You know, at that moment, I'm thinking, oh, something easy, you know, no math. I got this. And all along, it was actually my passion. So that is awesome. Like, it's so funny how we don't recognize what our passion is until after we after. went through everything. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. I couldn't recognize it until I but that is amazing. Like you hit on some really key things. So when you think about people um, going away to school and having the experiences that you have, you think about that being a transition from high school on to college. But, you know, you were like, no, I'm going to, you know, go out here, and do what I want to do because nobody believes in me anyway. So why waste my time? Right. Um, so what was that like when you were 14, 15, and you were like, you know what, this isn't for me. How did you end up going to Job Corps and then like, okay, this is going to be my path. I'm going to go ahead and and go to college. Okay. So how that started was, um, again, at the age of 14, um, throughout my childhood, I'd been kind of bounced back and forth between my aunt and my mom. My aunt lives in North Florida, my mom in South Florida. I was... I don't want to say a bad child, but I was a little unruly. And I think it was more so because I had always yearned for that relationship with my mom, but I didn't get what I felt like I needed. So I lashed out at my aunt. Um, so on this particular go around, I was staying with my, my mom. Um, I think she and I may have gotten into some sort of argument. It turned really bad to where she said that she no longer wanted me in her home. Mm-hmm. Um a social worker, I think it was human, sir. It was HRS at the time. What I forgot what that stands for, but it was HRS <laughs> at the time. <laughs> One of the social workers came and got me from my mom's home and took me to um, a group home or shelter for kids in mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. And I stayed there for quite some time, but um, I got into a fight outside of the the group home. And that mm-hmm. led to me and the girl who, you know, I was fighting, I was both getting kicked out. Um, wow. Yeah. So at that point I was homeless, homeless, <laughs> like nowhere to go homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, a teacher of mine had taken me in for quite some time, but again, being unruly, being young, mm-hmm. and, you know, I know it all because I'm 14, 15. I, yeah. I, I know this, I know it all. Um, so that, that didn't work out. So I went to went through the staying at anyone's house that will let me stay in. And mm-hmm. when that didn't work, I was sleeping in stairwells of apartments. Like mm-hmm. I can recall sleeping literally in a stairwell 
Um, and in the morning, students that went to school with me, went to high school with me, walking over me to go to the bus stop because I was laying on the stairwell. The stairwell. Um, I eventually um, met a lady who brought uh -huh. me into her home. Um, it wasn't the best environment, but at least I had somewhere to lay my head. Yeah. With that, with meeting her, I met this guy. I thought I was so in love. You know, I never really knew what love was. So when he started hitting me, I was like, this this has to be it. This has to be love because if he wasn't, you know, if he didn't love me, he wouldn't get so angry. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went through that, that physical abuse with him, um, having him to almost cut me with a knife. Um, he's held a gun at me when we're going out on a date. Oh, my God. <laughs> he has cut me. Um, if you can see right here, and I'm showing mm -hmm. you like your viewers can see it, but right. he cut me with a knife, ended up in the emergency room. But how I was able to get out of that situation is that he had gotten into some trouble with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. which freed me up to get away right. from him. And I was like, you know what? I need to get away from Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. um, so me and my aunt, we're around the same age. She's like a year or two older than me. We're like, okay, we're going to go to Job Corps. Mm -hmm. I got accepted into Job Corps. She didn't. So oh. I ended up going to um, Montgomery, Alabama is where I went to Job Corps. So that's oh. how I ended up in Job Corps was getting away from a toxic environment. I can't even imagine like what your 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 whole mindset was being a 14 year old young girl and having to make really adult decisions about what your next day, what your next meal was going to look like. And then, like you said, you were having students that you went to school with, you know, see you in this position. So, again, that's probably another layer of you being like, well, I don't want to go to school because. Yeah of this having to deal with this so wow so it but it was something that led you to say look i'm gonna get it together i'm gonna go to job corps i'm so glad that you recognized that when he got in his trouble like this was your moment to break yeah. free i mean but i had to go through that process for a while because i became i began i became homeless at 14. i didn't go to job corps until 19. So I was still bouncing around throughout those five years, living here and there, being involved with, you know, men that I knew meant me no good. But mm -hmm. I didn't, if I don't, you know, value myself, how can I expect for anybody else to value me? I felt like mm -hmm. I was deserving of what I was being given. And that was mm -hmm. very little. But that's that's how I felt at the time. Yeah. I, do you think that it was more important for you to be able to have some sense, even if it was a sliver of it, stability more was that more important than you recognizing that this really isn't a situation I should be in? You know what I've come to learn, and this is what me um, finding a therapist of my own, mm -hmm. is the cycle was repeating. So my mom, she didn't show up to our relationship in the manner, she showed up, but mm -hmm. she up in the manner that I needed her to show up in. And that was somebody that was compassionate. That was someone that would tell me that they loved me and show it. You know, she showed up in a relationship how, you know, her mom showed up in a relationship with her. Mm. So whenever I would get into relationships, it was that same cycle. I would choose men 
that did not show up in the manner in which I needed them. I needed mm-hmm. someone to tell me, you can do this. Yeah. I needed someone to tell me, you're beautiful. You're mm-hmm. smart. I love you. You're wanted. I needed those things. And when I would get just a glimpse of it in the guy, he was the one. This mm-hmm. is, I need to be, this is the one. He makes me feel good, even if for a moment. Yeah. Wow. When you went to job for, did some of those behaviors continue or was there a moment of impact that you were like, this, this can't be it? No, those behaviors continue. They continued until um, I was in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeking out those toxic relationships continued until I was in my late 20s. Wow. So when you now you said you went to go live with your aunt, was that the aunt that was supposed to go to job court with you as well? Or was this a different? No. So my mom, it's 14 of them. Oh, the aunt that I resided with in North Florida or Tallahassee, she's Mm -hmm. the oldest child. So she had no kids. So she has no kids. So. I'm her child, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I was with her, I was an only child. Mm -hmm. But even though she, I mean, she tried her best. She gave me the world. She had a brand new house built. I had my own bedroom, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for me because I wanted my mom. mom. Right. Mm -hmm. So she tried to give me, you know, the world, but it wasn't enough for me because it's not what, it's not what I wanted. I wanted this stuff from my mom. Oh, wow. So today, now you mentioned that through your own therapist, um, today have that relationship mended itself or is it still, you know, this is my mom, I love her, but. This is my my mom, I love her, but we have not mended our relationship. We tried a few years ago, but, I am a firm believer in you have to talk about what's going on in order for you to be able to heal and move past it. And if you don't want to talk about it, you're continuing to sweep the problem underneath the rug and see, um, I've always had a fear of my mom. So, you know, I've, as a result, I've always been like a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. right? So in order to not get on her bad side or to not cause an argument, I would tiptoe around things that were bothering me. I would mm-hmm. I never felt like I can be myself with her. Um, and one day I did try and bring up that conversation about, you know, what happened in the past. And it Nothing. just yeah, it it tore the really it tore what we were building down. And she and I really have not spoken since then. Oh goodness. I, I hate that because it's like you know, you do. You have to talk about it. You have to get it out there in the open. And what happens after that, at least you addressed it. Right. You know, and, but that whole taking that first step to address it, that's probably the, the hardest part in the whole entire process is getting to the point where you're okay with having the conversation. But until you're okay with having a conversation, is there is no mending. There is right. nothing that, that come out of it until you can take that first step. Right. And it has to be two people that are willing to kind of, you know, sit down and have that conversation, no matter how hard it may be. You have to be you have to be willing to have that conversation and see. I noticed that there was a generational cycle in -hmm. our family. So, you know, Mm -hmm. my mom and her mom, they didn't have a relationship. My mom and I, we didn't have a relationship. 
I have a 16 year old daughter now Mm -hmm. and we started butting heads like, you know, like crazy. And I was like, oh no, this generational curse, it has to end now because Mm -hmm. my daughter needs to know that no matter what, I have her back. I would never turn my back on her. And I'm being hard on you because I love you. I don't want you to ever go through what I've gone through in life. So, you know, yeah. I, made it, I made it my business to end that relation or that generational curse with my mm-hmm. daughter and I so it doesn't continue to, you know, go throughout the, you know, the other generations to come. Yeah. Have you shared your story with your children? I have. I have. Um, I believe in being transparent with them mm-hmm. um, you know, to a certain extent. But I do want them to know that, listen, um, I'm a single parent. There's no man in our home. Mm -hmm. These are the things that I've done because I wanted the best for you. So if I can do this with all the things that I face in life, there's no reason why with my support, you can't be greater than I am. Yes. Do you find that with teenagers, it's difficult for them to understand that this is for your best interest? Like, I'm not your enemy. I'm truly your advocate. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, They don't think that I'm cool. I think I'm pretty cool. But, you know, (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Pretty cool. Their friends think I'm cool. So, hey. But, um, yeah. Yeah, when they're when they become teenagers or even my preteen, you know, they're really influenced by their friends. Mm-hmm. Their friends, mm-hmm. their friends' opinions matter more to them than anything. Yeah, yeah, they they feel like their friends are golden. Like, oh, they're the authority because that's right. my friend. Right. That's my friend. <laughs> same as you, right? <laughs> they don't know. They don't pay no bills. Anyway, so yes. Mm-mm. So now that you know you've left Job Corps, you made the decision to further your education. When you, what was that one thing that was just like, I have to do better this go around? So now you're at FAMU and now your grades are what you know, what people told you they couldn't be, mm-hmm. and you know, you're getting this amazing education so when did did the mind shift um happen then or what was that one thing that was just like okay i have to do this and i have to do it better my my shift actually began before i started at famu it was during that time where i was fighting to get into school and i kept being told no um during that time i was on the job that i wasn't that happy with Mm-hmm. And I was in yet again another toxic relationship. Having all of that stress, I felt like I was more of a burden than my kids, mm-hmm. and that you know it would be best if I wasn't here. So mm-hmm. I attempted suicide. Um, I felt like I was holding my kids back. I felt like I was a failure. That you know I couldn't get anything right. The the more the harder I tried, you know the harder I fell is what it felt like. So. I, you know, I attempted suicide. Um, and as I was coming through that journey, I'll never forget my pastor. He's um, he's deceased now. But um, that's when my church family really started rallying around me. They mm-hmm. were like, you know, they were there for me, <laughs> like my current pastor now. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there. His wife was there. 
you know, our friends were there and they were rallying behind me, like showing me the love and support that I needed. My pastor at the time, he was like, why didn't you tell me anything was going on? I said, because you were busy. I didn't want to be a burden to you. He said, don't you ever make the decision Uh of whether or not you're going to be a burden to me. You let me make that decision. Don't make it for me. Um, So it was during that time with just having that love and support of my church family, um, the love and support of, you know, my aunt who raised me Uh and, you know, just knowing that something, something, I, I had a greater purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was there when, you know, I started seeking out therapy for myself. It was there that I started fighting even more to get back in school. You're going to mm-hmm. tell me no this time, but I'm going to go to someone else. I'm going to keep knocking until someone opens the door. Um, and that journey is what led me to get into family. Oh, wow. I think that support system is so crucial because let's just say that that support system wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, there could have been another attempt. You could have been successful at it, but it was something greater mm-hmm. that you had to do. Right. So that support system had to show up and let you know that, look, we're here for you. You can right. do this. Right. So thank goodness for the support system. I think community is a very essential tool that people right. need right. in their lives is to have that community. So when you graduated from FAMU, did you go automatically right back into school or did you, you know, take some time off? Like what made you, what led you back to wanting to go back to school? Well, once I graduated from FAMU, I actually set out for a semester. I set out for a year. I set out for a year because I graduated fall of 2015 and I started FSU fall of 2016. So I sat out for a year and just my journey in life, period. Like I said, I've always known that I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know how there's this cliche saying um, that goes something like, you know, you ask God, why me? And he says, why not you? Mm -hmm. I felt like that was me. I was always saying, God, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? And when Mm -hmm. I would get out on the other side, you know, I would hear that voice say, because I needed you to experience these things so that when I send this person your way, you can help them from experience. So you'll have more compassion for my people. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, I embrace my journey. Um, I don't mind being transparent about my journey because it's where it's what led me to where I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, at the bachelor level, there's very little that you can do. So I know I needed to go on to get my master's so that I can put myself in a position to where I can offer therapy to -hmm. other people and I can be efficient and effective, you know, in my pursuit to help other people. Um, So that's what led me to go to FSU to get my master's in clinical social work. And I was actually shocked when they accepted me. I was like, Lord, please don't let them work back at the undergraduate. Like, you remember me? Do you know who I am? Jesus. But, um, I mean, at FSU, like I said, I graduated with a 3.7. I received a scholarship. My grades were so good. Oh, wow. I made a lot of relationships with my professors that, you know, I can still call on now or, you know, go up and say mm-hmm. hi now. 
So I made a lot of relationships at FSU as well. So I was able to get like the best of both worlds yeah. um, with FAMU and FSU. Did you see a shift in the confidence for when you went back this that second time? Yeah. Yeah. The moment I, was, I, was, I was ready. I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it seems like that second time when you went back to FSU, it was like, okay, I've achieved something. I, I've identified who I am and what my purpose is. Versus when you first went, you know, you were kind of still trying to figure it out. You was like, let me find the easiest route <laughs> to get right, this degree. Right. You know, so that whole shift in confidence made a world of a difference. And you ended up having, like you said, relationships with those professors. So mm -hmm. that is awesome. So you uh, left FSU. Now you're like, okay, I positioned myself <laughs> to do some really key things. So what's right. next after that? What's next? Well, um, I do want to continue to grow the therapeutic couch. Mm -hmm. It's a blog that was birthed out of, you know, the things that I've gone through. Mm -hmm. I want to bring awareness to the um, I want to bring awareness and break the stigma associated with mental illness, but also bring awareness to the importance of mental health in our communities, because a lot of African-Americans we don't believe in going to therapy. It's more so, you know, I'm going to go to church and whatever this is, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave it on the altar and then, you know, God's going to do his thing. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you do need, you need therapy. You need to be able to talk through what's going on. You need someone yeah. that can give you some feedback, you know, give you yeah. some tools to put in your tool belt to help you when you're starting to feel that anxiety or that depression or, you know, having no suicidal thoughts. Yeah, I think if more people were, I think if it was accepted more, yeah. that I think that we will be more vocal in our community to really talk about it. But mm -hmm. I, I, I will honestly say that here recently, I, I commend all of the women and men for that matter who are now making, having a voice when mm -hmm. it comes to that. And that it's not something that, you know, we're sweeping under the rug and you know we're not acknowledging and then we have in these children who grow into adults mm -hmm. who are still having these issues and never were addressed right right so right. there oh go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> so um i've actually been in talks with my um with my pastor when it you know as it relates to mental health in the church because a lot of time like i said people think that you know i can just pray about this thing and this thing is going to mm -hmm. go away so he and I have been in, in talks to kind of collaborate okay. you know, and see what we can pull together. So it's my prayers that, you know, um, that once I do obtain my license, that it's something that I can bring to the church to bring awareness. That is awesome. Like, it's better to, I'm so glad your pastor was at that point where he was like, you know what, let, let, let's collaborate on this. Yeah. Like, because there are people probably sitting right there in the congregation that have something to say, but scared to say it. And because of the judgment. Right. Right. Because of the judgment. And it sounds like, okay, the judgment and church, they're not supposed to go together. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it, it happens. I mean, right. let's You're be right. honest. It, it it does happen, so I'm glad that he's like, okay, no, let's let's get together, let's address this, and I guarantee you, so many more stories are gonna come about of that. Yeah, I believe, I believe so. 
Yep, yeah. so many more stories. So how long, um, what's, like, what's the next steps in getting your license? Like, is that a long process or? Well, we have to, um, we're under supervision for two years. Okay. March, what's, okay, March 20th <laughs> will make my one, my first year, right? But okay. I've already gone ahead and I'm so proud of myself because I've been prolonging it. <laughs> but I've already um, gone ahead and requested approval um, to take my test. So next oh. I will be, I'm waiting for my um, authorization. I'll be taking my test, um, you know, to become an LCSW. But even once I pass the test in the first try, you know, just putting that mm-hmm. out there in the atmosphere because yes, I am passing the first try. <laughs> I have another year of supervision left. So... I would say about March, April of next year, I should be fully licensed. That is amazing. But until then, you mm-hmm. can still, you know, impact people and help people through your blog. So right. you said your blog was birthed out of, you know, wanting to share your experiences and things like that. How has the response been from just being so transparent with it? I'm not going to lie. I was afraid. Um mm-hmm. I was afraid of people not understanding or I was afraid of people looking at me differently. But that fear of God was actually, you know, greater than the fear of people you know, mm-hmm. judging me. So I knew that, you know, I had gone through these things because it, it needed to be shared. Right. So, you know, I've had a lot of people. Um, what is it? DM or instant instant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of people, you know, come into my DMs and, you know, thank me for sharing my testimony because they were too facing something of that nature or, you know, it caused them to want to do something greater or step out in on faith, you know, for a task that they may have, you know, been putting off. But I've actually gotten a pretty good response. That's good because I think these platforms they need to be more visible for people because, you know, while they might not be comfortable telling their good girlfriend or their spouse for that matter, but mm-hmm. they see someone like you and they're like, okay, she's been through it. She'll understand where mm-hmm. I'm coming from and be able to have that release um, that they need from, you know, just talking to somebody and getting it out there. Right. Right. So someone who might be going through something or an experience, um, what would you tell them like the first steps should be? The first thing I would tell them is don't isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not a good idea to isolate yourself because once you get along with your thoughts, you start remembering everything. You remember when you were two years old and somebody hits you. So you just start remembering everything. So don't isolate yourself. If you're starting to feel some type of way, if you have a really good friend that you can confide in, talk Mm -hmm. to your friend. If you feel as though, you know, you can't confide in a friend, I implore you to seek out a therapist. There are so many amazing people that are waiting and willing to help Uh people because it's their passion. So I, I would really encourage, you know, anyone that is facing a difficult time in their life, seek out a therapist. Uh huh. It's a, it's a safe space. 
It is. It absolutely is a safe space. Like there's no judgment there. That person doesn't know you. You know, mm-hmm. they have nothing to base that interaction off of. All they have is you being in that space with them at that moment and you sharing your your experiences with them. And so right. it's okay. It's definitely a safe space. Right. Um there was a young lady who was on the show a few weeks ago. Well, I interviewed a few weeks ago. She actually developed an app. Um, it's called a tune, I believe. Yeah, but I, I actually downloaded it to my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought that that was phenomenal. And yeah. so, you know, if anyone who's in this industry, in the mental health field, like get connected with that app because there's mm-hmm. more people probably out here that need the help than there are people participating in getting the help to them. So. Mm-hmm. I think once you get life and go ahead and get connected with it. Listen, I, that's that's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is absolutely wonderful. So, what do you see after? You know, do you want to open up your own practice? Do you want to? Do you want to be? You know, in the speaking arena? Like, what do you see next for you, long term? Long term, um, and I feel like God is kind of pushing me. Right now, he's making because I'm pretty com- I'm pretty um, complacent, right? Mm-hmm. I have a pretty good job, you know. It's pretty laid back, but God is making things a little hard for me now because I've become so complacent. Mm-hmm. So I know that right now He's pushing me to my next level. Mm-hmm. Now my 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 plans again. It's my plans are to um, go into either private practice or join a group practice because okay. it is something that I want to do full time. And yes, mm-hmm. I would like to, you know, do some speaking engagements, um, bring awareness, especially to the African American community, um, primarily with Black women. I want to bring mm-hmm. awareness to mental illness and, uh, like I said before, the importance of mental health. Yeah, yeah, I think that that will be a, a key asset going forward. Like, it's so needed. It's so needed, especially like mm-hmm. when you think about mothers and wives like everything that we hold we put on our shoulders Shoulders. and we just take it in stride you know we may feel some kind of way here and there but we just brush it off and keep moving because we showing up for everybody else except for ourselves ourselves. right right i've been there several times i you know i've you know have been superwoman for so long that before you know it, you can be tying your shoe and you're breaking down crying like, what is going on? It's because yeah. you've been holding it in for so long that you need you need a release. You can't you can't be everything to everyone. And like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. You cannot. So we need somebody that we can talk to as well. We can't continue to take on the weight of the world mm-hmm. and not think that, you know, eventually we're going to break. It's it's something to recognize, though, because I had to recognize it for myself. Like, I went through a lot of different things in my life that I was just like, I never dealt with it. I just, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it happened. Okay, now it's time to just show up again and not mm-hmm. deal with it. And it has had such a, an a, a effect on, you know, relationships, you know, with my, with my husband, with my children, things like that, mm-hmm. because I didn't take care of me 
so I can know how to handle and deal with different situations that come up in those um, right. relationships. So I reached out to a therapist and I was like, you know what? I have to have this release because I can't, if right. I keep keeping it in, mm-hmm. who's to know what could happen? Who's to know what would be the next step? Because God knows. And if I could be completely transparent, like I've had those thoughts, like just to, I've had probably here recently too, mm-hmm. just been like, okay, you know what? If I could just, if I just get in the car and drive away, everybody would be fine. Everybody right. would be okay. But then I get on the podcast with women like you and I'm like, Rhonda, there's a bigger purpose. It is. There's, there's a bigger plan. There is, there is. And I mean, I believe that you're doing such an amazing thing with your podcast. Um, just listening to some of the stories that I've, you know, listened to. Um, I, I love listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I don't know how I came across your page. I don't know if it was because I was like searching for podcasts. I don't know. But um, I have enjoyed, I, I really enjoy your page. I enjoy your podcast. Thank you so much. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's like, okay. Is this worth doing? Like, I'm so tired, Lord. But then, <laughs> <laughs> but then you sit down, you see, like, what you're talking about that confidence again. Mm-hmm. When the confidence showed up, I can't even I can't put in the words how I felt with all these different guest requests now, where mm-hmm. it was like, okay, maybe I'll have one this week. Maybe I'll have one mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. And now it's like, I got two, three people I'm interviewing every single week. And That's good. That means that you are, you are right where you're supposed to be. You're making oh, a difference. Oh. I, I'm, 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 it's overwhelming sometimes, but you know, it's like, okay, this is, this is the right avenue. Look here recently, you guys have had me in tears. Like I said, I wasn't going to cry today. <laughs> but look, just having to be transparent and just being real for a second. Cause you, again, you know, you don't know who listens to the podcast. Right. And people are like, what? Ron thought about killing herself? What? Ron thought about, you know? It, it, it so it happens, and I, I right. would even be, I wouldn't even, I would be doing this podcast a disservice if I myself wasn't even transparent. Transparent, right? So right. I, I mean, would, at the end of the day, we're we're human. Mm-hmm. We're human. I mean, we're strong, but we're still human. We have feelings, we have emotions, and sometimes, like you say, you can just get so overwhelmed to where you're like, Ugh. I mean, I still have days where. You know, I'm not going to lie. I may lay in bed all day on a Saturday if I can because I feel mm-hmm. so overwhelmed. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm able to recognize, oh, oh no, girl, you got to get up. This is yep. because if you continue to lay here, it's going to be a, another day. You mm-hmm. got to get up. You, you have to get out of this phone. You have to go out, go do something productive. So, yeah. like, I'm able to identify when, you know, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Or when I'm starting to feel burnout and I have to start focusing my thoughts on something else, because mm-hmm. if I let my thoughts, you know, marinate on whatever my problem is too long, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll be a mess. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> what is a self care tip that is essential for you? Like something like, look, I have to do this because I got to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what I enjoy doing, and I do it with my daughter. We love taking mm-hmm. pictures. So um, 
that's one thing that I love to do. So that's one thing that, you know, I do for self-care. I love playing in makeup, which is another Mm -hmm. thing for self-care. And I recently started working out again. And, you know, I started noticing the difference, even though I'm getting up at 5, 4.40, what is it? 4.45 in the morning to make it to a 5.30 a.m. boot camp. My days are so much better. I feel like I have so Mm. much energy. I'm ready to take on the world. And I really believe that just engaging in that boot camp class for that hour has benefited me tremendously. I ain't been all week long, but I'm going back tomorrow. (laughs) You know, um, that's another thing. Right. That's crazy, though. (laughs) Like, I would think, because, you know, it's a struggle to get up in the morning anyway, but you're getting up that early, go to a 5 a.m. boot camp, but it's giving you more energy, like it's, it's helping you get through your day better than it was if you hadn't went through the boot camp. Yeah, and it's actually 5, it's 5.30, it's 5.30 to 6.30, Ooh. and I mean, I it's, it's a confidence booster, you know, when you've been working oh. out and you see a little change, you're like, oh, <laughs> You know, that role that was there ain't there no more. Let's go. <laughs> I can walk up these stairs and I'm not winded. Okay, mm-hmm. boot camp. You know, but. Okay, lady. <laughs> Find you a boot camp, okay? <laughs> Find a boot camp. <laughs> so let our listeners know how can they connect with you online? You can connect with me online. Um, Instagram. TheTherapeuticCouch.com. I'm sorry, The Therapeutic Couch. My blog is also entitled the same thing, TheTherapeuticCouch.com. Um, drop by, like, comment, follow, subscribe, all those good things. All of the things. All of it. <laughs> Definitely share. Like, if you see something on there and you enjoyed it and it's helped you, comment first. To let her know how you felt. <laughs> let right. her know. Let me let me know. Cause you know, I think when um when you see that you are impacting lives in a in a positive way, it makes you even more eager to continue to put out, you know, content to help mm-hmm. people because you know that it's reaching people. So yeah. the more, you know, comments that I get that it's, you know, affecting people in a positive way, the more it wants me to continue to, you know, to create. Amazing, amazing. So before we let you go, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a little segment called the uh, time capsule. And with the time capsule, it's just a series of five questions that people can go back and learn from, um, mm-hmm. you know, because this is going to be going on for a long time. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> people go in 2012, well, 2012, 2025, <laughs> like you we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, in 2025, <laughs> listening to Shift the Player podcast. So, <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so the first question is What would you tell your younger self? Who, what would I tell my younger self? I would tell my younger self that you are beautiful. And you are capable of put of doing anything, and I mean anything that you put your mind to. That you know the sky's the limit. You have no glass ceiling. Mm. Yes, I love that part. You have no glass ceiling. No glass and if one just happens to present itself, shatter it. Yeah, shatter okay. it. 
And keep moving on up. <laughs> and keep moving on up. Awesome. Number two, what keeps you sane throughout your journey? What keeps me sane? Um, knowing that I have my children watching me. So that's important. I am trying to, or I am not trying, I am raising um, amazing children that are going to impact this world in a major and a positive light. So I have to be strong for them so they so that they can see firsthand what strength is. Mm-hmm. So my children keep me going. They both keep me I going. I love that. I love that one. Um, what tools help you the most throughout your day-to-day? My day-to-day or day-to-day? Mm-hmm. Day-to-day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, struggle. Um, but the tools that help me out the most is knowing that the journey that I'm on is a journey that is God led. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I need it here because I have a purpose and my purpose is to help other people, mainly women. Um, You know, I have to be obedient and, you know, just say the course. Even on the days it doesn't look like it's going to be there. Yeah. Like you said, I just want to run away. Yeah. (laughs) There's some frozen dinners in the freezer. See y'all later. Right. (laughs) You got to say the course. You got to. Um, Number four, what is the name of another shift maker um, that's going under the radar, but people need to know about? Hmm. Let's see. Another shift maker that's going under the radar. I'm going to go with another favorite um, podcast that I have. It's called mm-hmm. Tia versus Fancy Cash. I, oh. think she's doing some, I think she's doing some amazing things on her podcast. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have to get her information so we can link it in the show notes so people can go and listen to her podcast. Go get connected with her as well. So we'll put that, we'll get that information for you guys and put it in the show notes. Um, and number five, what are you most thankful for throughout your journey? Um, I am most thankful for the journey. Journey mm-hmm. created um created me to be a very strong, determined, and, uh, you know, just a determined woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't take no for an answer. You may tell me no, you may tell me no, but someone's eventually going to tell me yes. Yeah. So the journey has, you know, it created a, a heck of a woman that is determined to succeed. I know that. You better say it. <laughs> <laughs> the journey created a heck of a woman, and y'all didn't catch the neck roll because <laughs> a heck of a woman. You better know it. Now that's how it is, right? <laughs> Well, thank you, Miss Elena Nouveau, for joining me today. I know that you probably could have been doing a million other things, probably been rested, <laughs> but you took the time to come stop by my little old podcast and. Well, Thank you, Rhonda, so much for even thinking of having me on. Like when I got the message, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh, no, wait, I'm scared. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I thank you for um, even allowing me this opportunity to speak to your your listeners. It is it's an honor. So I thank you. 
I really do. You are absolutely welcome. We will have all of your information in the show notes as well so people know how they can connect with you, um, get in tune with your blog, you know, and just follow your journey and see what's next for you. So I'm excited to follow that too. So thank you. Thank you. You're so wonderful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm all right. No, <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Shift the Plan podcast. Every Wednesday, you'll hear a new story or maybe just me. Um, of another shift maker who is out here changing the game. And remember, it's not about what life gives you, but what you do in the shift. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Shift the Plan podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure that you are subscribed and that you rate this episode as well as leave a review. Let me know what you think as well as any questions you may have for the guests that was on the episode today. Now some exciting news. If you haven't already seen it on my uh, Shift the Plan podcast or my personal page, The Rhonda Evans, we are now a whole tribe, y'all. I know it has evolved from just me having an idea to starting the podcast to now wanting to connect with more individuals who are shift makers, those who are making an impact in different areas in the community and education, mental health, and just what that foundation of building families are. Um, And so I'm excited to announce that we are now an organization called Shift Maker Charlotte. So you can head on over to our Instagram page at shift.makers.clt and take a look at what we have going on. And you can also go directly to the website at shifttheplan.com backslash join the tribe.